We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Happy New Year in a few days. Scott's sitting this one out. He's sick. We've virtually passed whatever virus is going around through through the internet to each other, and Scott's the latest one on the podcast to, to go down. So I'm with Logan and Ilya today. What's up, guys? Slow slow time of the off season. Ready for some more moves, but it's going well. The, uh, I was thinking about this year. Uh, I think it was a really weird Yankees season of baseball um at one point in the year there were comparisons to the 1998 yankees and that didn't work out well but like logan what would you say was the highlight of of the year for the yankees it doesn't even have to be in the regular season or even baseball related but just anything to do with the team what was the highlight of 22 i mean i felt that the highs of the team were um i guess it was sometime around the end of the end of June. When did they play? When they played the Astros and the first game against the Astros, when when Aaron Hicks hit the uh, yeah, that was like, homer. I think that was like mid June, mid June, right? And and I mean, that, that was, was really, probably the craziest weekend of baseball between the no hitters and, and the comebacks. Yeah, yeah, and but also like that was like this team can't lose. Like it doesn't matter that it's yeah. the Astros. 
also, I was an underrated part of the season was uh, when everything was going bad and then they played the Mets at home. And everybody was like, they're getting Scherzer and they're probably getting DeGrom and, it, and they're going to they're going to they're going to get swept and it's going to be a mess. And they, you know, did the sweep of the Mets, you know, in two games, which was fun. And then, you know, the playoffs were weird, but something, you know, in game four, when Gary Cole stepped up against Cleveland and then and then, you know, Stanton hit the home run in game five. It was like, well, maybe, maybe you know, it was like it was a real back and forth thing. But I, I think that that weekend of baseball in June was like my top. All right. What about you, Ilya? I got to go with the boring answer, but it's got to be judge. It's got to be judge. It's gotta I mean, that's judge. that's the answer. I guess. But like I by the time that happened, I was so out of I was so not paying attention to the team and only paying attention to judge. That's like, why I couldn't tell that's why you it's the best thing. I couldn't even tell you like around the time. Like, obviously, we know the Pittsburgh game where judge hit 60 and then like that he hit 61 in Toronto. But like. What like were the Yankees winning at that time? Were they losing at that time? I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you who was who was on the team. They, like it was like a mess. That, yeah, but that's kind of like the fun thing about baseball. Sometimes is even though it's it's I mean it's it's the cliche is like it's the most individualistic team sport out there because you obviously need your teammates to to win, but it's everything is in, on an individual level, pitcher to batter. But I mean, there are certain moments, and like we've seen, we saw this whenever Jeter was approaching, you know, his his records for three thousand hits or whatever, or you know, way back before freaking before you were born, Logan, <laughs> when the ninety eight home run chase was happening. It's like it didn't matter if the Cubs won or the Cardinals won. Like, did Mark McGuire, did Sammy Sosa hit a home run? And like that was that was basically September for the Yankees. Is did Judge hit a home run? And that that drew that drew me to the TV. Every night, I'm, I know that drew a lot of people. Like, I would put on the news in the morning, and and that was one of the leading stories every single morning for the last two weeks of of the the season. Was did Judge hit a home run on you know freaking NBC Today Show? Like, there's certain times that, where it transcends just like our baseball bubble. So that was the highlight. I mean, between Judge hitting the home runs and then them actually resigning him, like that's that's got to be the highlight of the season. It, it was Aaron Judge. I mean, yeah, judges, judge, judge's season was one that I doubt any of us will ever see again. So it's hard not to call it a highlight, but I just, I don't know. Like, I just, I mean, I loved, I loved, like, I lived it like that. And I didn't live, I mean, I, I kind, I remember Jeter hitting his, three, getting his 3,000th hit, but like, you know, I always that say, was also, judge, that was, judge is my that was Jeter. Also. I know, but I mean the judge, the judge. Excuse me, the Jeter three thousand hit. I mean that game, he went five for five. Like that was an amazing. I'll remember that forever. Yeah, that 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 individual moment. But yeah, it, it was a weird season. Obviously, disappointing season. Um, but I I think that you know looking back on it, <coughs> what how many months removed are we from the from the playoffs at this point? Three months removed from the playoffs. Um. D- does the Astro does the Astros winning still sting you guys? Is that still is that still bugging you? Or are you like for me, I'm more just fed up with the team and their shortcomings than I am that like oh the Astros like yeah we knew the Astros were good they won the World Series this year they could have very easily won the World Series any of the last three years so makes no difference to me that they actually won the World Series. 
yeah, I'm I'm over the Astros. It's it's on us. It's I'm just ready to move on. Get to next year. You, well, do you think we're actually going to finally move on because they 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 won the World Series and and maybe they're you know Verlander's gone there. I don't expect the Astros to be bad or anything next year, but are they? Is that chase for them maybe gone and then that could that could take some of their edge off because I think that was motivating them. I think for even though it wasn't you know, a full roster of those cheating players. It was the core of those players were still there. Bregman, Altuve, they, they, they probably were, had motivation to prove the doubters wrong. And that, that drove them, I'm, I'm guessing, the last few years. I, I mean, the Astros have so much talent that so much talent. the drive is just, that drive is just the icing on the cake for them. Yeah. They don't need it to compete. The Yankees have not entirely closed the gap, but they've improved. Hopefully they'll improve more. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a sure thing that we're going to go out there and we have, you know, I wouldn't even call it a 50-50 chance necessarily, but we have a better chance this year than I think we did last year. Yeah, it's just, you look at, go look at, if you want to have a fun conversation, go look at the 2019 Yankees that played the Astros and look at the 2022 Yankees that played the Astros and the 2022 Yankees were so much better. I mean, we were talking about it like a few months ago, like Brett Gardner hit third in that ILCS. Like literally, like this is like, like, like they were, they were a mess, but for some reason they got it to an inning away from a game seven. You know, I mean, they, they won game one on the road in Houston in 2019. And it was like, how did that happen? Well, it's interesting that you say, that the 2022 Yankees were better than the 2019 Yankees. Like, uh, I mean, it's I, I kind of throw out what specifically happened in those series because it's hard to judge a team on a single series. Um, the 2017 Yankees on paper were not as good as the 2019 Yankees or the 2022 Yankees, but they got to a game seven. So does that make them automatically better than those other teams? Like, I don't know. Um, but do you think that Cashman has improved the team in the three years since 2019. The the 2019 loss, if we call that like the last best chance that the Yankees had at beating the Astros, ha, ha, has Cashman done enough to improve this roster over this time? Yeah, I mean, he definitely did a lot when you really look in retrospect. I mean, he's he has since 2019 acquired numerous pitchers. I mean, they have they decided that they actually cared about lefties in the front office when they cared about them in the dugout, you know, like we just, you know, talked about Brett Gardner batting third, you know, obviously Rizzo, there is big, big, big improvement that kind of doesn't get talked about enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, they definitely still need to do more and, and they know that the, the contact and athleticism thing needs to have, needs to be fixed. And they just can't have three different starting choice stops in the play in the ALCS. Like you, you're not going to win like that. They, and I, they won't, but it's part of it. Those sorts of warts on the team are, are extremely frustrating. It's like uh, you can, it's like a, the, the shortstop issue was a microcosm for, for the team's failures. But yeah, they, I, I think they need to do more this offseason. Like bringing back Judge is status quo. They signed Radon, which is great, and that's a great addition to the team. But there's still a massive hole in left field. And, and if, they don't, if they don't add another outfielder, the outfield of Judge Bader and Oswaldo Cabrera and Aaron Hicks is just that's not championship caliber outfield, especially considering we all like Bader. We all love that he broke out in the postseason. 
I want to talk about him in a second, but he's been a pretty average hitter over the course of his six-year career with St. Louis. So if he has another average offensive season for the Yankees, no one should be shocked about that. But the the number one rumor going around right now is Brian Reynolds. And I, I think he should be the number one target for the Yankees between now and the, and the regular season starting. Pittsburgh, they're, they're a weird organization. It's like you never know what they're going to do. They're going to sometimes they, they just make bizarre trades that just don't make any sense. And if that happens with Brian Reynolds, then I wouldn't be shocked. But reports are that they're looking for pitching depth or excuse me, pitching prospects. And I don't know if the Yankees have the pitching prospects to send to Pittsburgh in a return deal to for for uh, Reynolds. I mean, they have the position player prospects to get the deal done, but if that's not what Pittsburgh is looking for, Ilya, then then it might just not happen for them. And then another team like the Dodgers could swoop in. Yeah, it's tough from a few angles. One, the Yankees don't have apparently what they're looking for, like you said. Two, there, there's no one else really available and out there on Reynolds' level right now. So the Yankees don't have any leverage at all. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's much worse options on the free agent market or or the trade market. Um, like Max Kepler kind of piqued my interest. I was doing some baseball trade values, you know, fun yesterday, and there was a, a trade on the front page. For, for for Max Kepler, the deal was uh, Kepler to the Yankees along with Caleb the- uh, Thielbar uh, for Domingo Herman and Everson uh, Pereira. I, I, I know. Okay, sure. Uh, you're shaking your head, Logan. You don't. You're not a. You're not a Kepler guy. Kepler is so Joey Gallo all over again. He had been linked to the Yankees for years. Got all the stats that say he should be good, but he's not. Like. It, I mean, is his strikeout rate as high? It's not. It's, it, that's the one. That's the one difference. But um, you know, very similar to like, oh, you look at his baseball savant, and it's a bunch of red bubbles. But for some reason, he's a two thirty-ish hitter with a yeah. seven fifty to seven ninety OPS on a good season <laughs> in one really good year. I think it was twenty nineteen. Um, and then since then, kind of like last year, wasn't he like in the high six hundred OPSs? Oh yeah, his offense has been pretty pretty mediocre the last couple yeah so it's Um, just in 2019 was that year that the twins didn't they set a record for home runs that year yeah they were right there with the yankees so like the the ball was a a freaking golf yeah exactly not to mention like i don't know like the whole i kind of really jumped on the wagon i know i've said it before like left field defense and left field is playing left field because he's another right fielder that they're going to be trying to move to left field in a left field in Yankee Stadium that might as well be a signing field. It's so big. So so then your options, you know, if Kepler is not appealing, which I agree, it's like that's an okay solution. Yeah. I think that's that's not a home run in my mind. I, I think it's an upgrade over what they currently have, but it's not it's not like I'm not getting super pumped about Max Kepler. David Peralta, I mean he's offensively he's solid, but he's really bad defensively, even though he's a left fielder. Trey Mancini I saw being kicked around. He's a first baseman at this point. He he's not an outfielder anymore. Andrew McCut Andrew McCutcheon's still playing baseball, guys. Did you know that Andrew McCutcheon's still playing baseball? He's like seventy two years old, but he's still playing baseball. Go to Milwaukee, and everybody forgets about you. So it's like the options, if not Brian Reynolds, to add to this outfield are are really big downgrades, which to me means they completely whiffed on Benintendi. It, uh, even if you say Benintendi got overpaid by the White Sox, which might be true, 
it's not like that crazy of an overpayment, especially as we were going through the different, um, you know, the our GM plans. Like that's not that crazy of an overpayment. Now, if Benintendi didn't want to sign with the Yankees, then then fine. Like you can't fault them. But if if the difference between Benintendi and some of these other guys I I mentioned is so great, then then you whiffed. I think that the difference. The problem is, is that the reason that the um, there was had to be such an overpayment for Benintendi was it's all because of the Red Sox, and they signed the left fielder from Japan this offseason at the beginning and Yoshida. Yoshida. Yeah, that was that was and crazy. and there were like people like on like MLB Network and there were people like talking like the Red Sox gave him double what people thought he should have got, like double. So where Benintendi, you know, I think trade MLB trade rumors, which was very low on the lower side when we were looking at the predictions this year. But for him, like I what was it, like four for like sixty ish was like the, the MLB trade rumors uh thing. His market value was like seventeen, eighteen million. Yeah, and, and and then that's what um Ilya, you and Scott did for the for the GM plans. But it that that was more what he was worth, and that's what the Yankees wanted to give him. And then the White Sox, who are another team that's needed to be desperate, I guess, threw five years at him. But he's young. He's still in his 20s. Like five years for an outfielder still in your 20s is not that crazy, especially when you consider that we're going to have they're going to have to win in these next three to four years maximum while Judge is still an elite player. Um, yeah, that Yoshida contract, it was, it's Yoshida, mm-hmm. right? For, for the Red Sox, that was complete reaction to them losing Bogarts. And they, they signed him first. Like, yeah, but they knew yeah, Bogarts was they knew Bogarts was going. Um so the they got word that Bogarts wasn't going to accept whatever, you know, low ball contract they were offering. And their reaction was we've got to we've got to dangle a shiny object in front of the fan base to to distract them. Like, yeah, Yoshida got way too much money. But he's Yoshida's a Boris client. Boris clients never accept the first offer. They always go and shop the offer to to get more money. And even Boris was like, dude, you're not getting more money than this. You have to take this deal. So if that set the market, then I guess that screwed the Yankees for Benintendi. But now they're sitting here with potentially a starting uh, left fielder on opening day of Aaron Hicks. Does that get you excited, Ilya? It doesn't get me excited. At this point, it looks like no one's taking Hicks or Donaldson in a trade. I don't no. I don't really see it happening. Why I, why would they? I think the only way the Yankees cut ties with either one of them is if they give them that one last chance. So at this point with the options that are out there, roll out Oswaldo, roll out Hicks, let them flop and go get someone at the trade deadline and cut them at that point. I uh, I don't see the Kepler is the one guy who who maybe you know, if they get him, I wouldn't be upset about it. But, you know, like Logan's been saying with the defense, like David Peralta is the other name offensively that could, you know, could be all right. But the defense is just so tough out there in left field. It's, so if it's, you sign Peralta and you're basically saying this is an offensive left fielder for us that's going to probably come out of any close game late and be replaced with Hicks or Cabrera. And although it, it, Cabrera like didn't look great in left field either, like. What Cabrera needs to be doing right now all winter is just playing left field. Like he needs to be taking reps in left field because that's his shot to start on the Yankees. It's not anywhere else uh, on the on the field. 
So if you can turn Cabrera into a better defender and if you trust Hicks's defense late game, but like, is that even good defense late game to replace Peralta? Like, it's not that good. good. It's, I think it's better than the other options. Yeah. <laughs> and at least you have Bader. has really gone downhill. And yeah. Hicks is Bader. Bader in center field does make left field a lot easier. But and Floyal is going to be on this roster. He doesn't. I believe he's out of options. So unless they trade him, what, they're going to I mean, they're going to they're going to carry him as an extra outfielder. He can okay, play fine. it. He can play it. He can play a great outfield. What are you talking? He's about? shown nothing ever. I mean, never shown. I mean, anything. don't you remember Esteban Floyal was Jason Dominguez five years ago? <laughs> and I'm um, sure I know he was. And I'm sure I was at the game where he broke his wrist in spring training, like back in. 20, 2018 or 2019 spring training. He he broke his wrist in a spring training game. Uh, ran into the center field wall. Uh, so we're going to have the conversation, obviously, how much left field is Stanton going to play? Is it going to be once a week? Is it going to be no times a week? Is it going to be 80 games this year? Like That's also a wild card that we just don't know the answer to. You know, I think it's not talked about every. And it, I know why it's not talked about. And I know that the Yankees did the right thing. But I, I've been thinking lately. Like, imagine if they would have just made Judge the left fielder. Because you could always find a right fielder. But for some reason, they can never find a left fielder. When they got Stanton, they could have said, you know what, young boy, boy you're going to go to left field, and you, you're going to be the gold glover that you are. And they didn't do it because it was his right but field. Judge had already established himself right. in 2017 as the face of the franchise. It's, I it's, agree that you can't and this is not a perfect. This is not a perfect analogy. But like when the Yankees acquired A Rod and Derek Jeter was at shortstop, it's the same. There was no it's chance that Jeter, honestly. Well, it, it it is and it isn't because in that situation, A Rod was a better defensive shortstop than Jeter. Stanton is not a better defensive outfielder than Judge. Right. So you're you're taking a better defensive player out of his natural position, which you could say, well, I guess Judge has a better chance at playing a good left field. But then you also have to say. Yankee Stadium left field is not easy to play. There's more risk for injury because it's massive. And we want to keep Judge healthy. And he's had injury problems. Oh, yeah. Also, also, what are you going to do with the judges' chambers? They're in right field. How are you <laughs> going to get them over to left field? What's, you know, no, you got to hire contractors. I agree. No, I agree. Yes, I, I agree that that's what you had to do. But I just thought about it recently. Like, imagine if they did. Like, because, like, there were points last year they were sticking Matt Carpenter in left field. Like, you can always find. I mean, in right field. You could always find a right fielder at Yankee Stadium because it's so small. Just on the other hand, though, like, they they were so scared to put Stan in left field the first year they got him. They, do you remember in Toronto the first time Stan played outfield for the Yankees? Judge played center field. It was the first time Judge played center field before, like, like they were, and they did it this year. Like, they were willing to put Judge in center field to get Stan in right field. So are there going to be times where they say, all right, well, we want to get Stan in the lineup. We're going to put Judge in center and Bader in left. Like is that going to be is that going to be a, in the in the cards that they want to do? I mean, it could be, but like you acquired Harrison Bader, who's this all world center fielder. Are you really going to move him to left field just to move Judge to center field, which you really don't want to do? Well, isn't that what you'd be doing potentially if you if you acquire Reynolds? You'd be, no, I, I think I they, guess Reynolds would go to left. Yeah, he profiles. I think he profiles more as a as a. I think you'd be a perfect. Left field at Yankee Stadium because it is a little, it's not center field, but it's close to it. Of course, nothing ever goes to plan, but I think there's enough opportunities for road games where you get Stanton in left field in, in easy left fields, like Boston, easy left field to play. Uh, well, I was going to say Baltimore, but they freaking made that thing Yellowstone. So, so not so much Baltimore anymore. Uh, 
but but I feel like there's enough road games plus one one home game per homestand to play left field. And if you do that, you've got maybe 50 games in left field for Stanton if all things go well and he plays a full season. So then you're filling the the other 110 games or so with another left fielder. Like, I don't know, maybe that could work if you don't acquire somebody. But like, why? Like, it's not like they have someone like that they need to get DH at bats for. Like they used to have like Voight and it was like important. It's, it's because you don't have a better left field. Option I understand. And your, your left field options are not good. And also... I think we've seen enough and heard enough from Stan that he likes playing the field. I, he plays, he hits better when he's playing the field. I agree. I tend to agree. So I think there's a, and then you, you can do things. I mean, plus you can get, you're going to, they're going to DH judge sometimes, but I guess that, that, that doesn't help your left field situation, but there's other options for, for DH um, when Stanton's not there. It's like, again, it's not a perfect scenario, which is why I, I think, if they don't acquire a left fielder, the team still has a pretty big glaring hole. Um, and, and a lot of those options that I mentioned, Michael Conforto's also... A no, he signed. None of these... Wait, the wait, Giants got their guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> did, the medicals fall through, did the medicals fall through yet? No. But, but the point is, none of these options are exciting enough to where I even feel like they're going to make a move because you have to talk yourself into all of these options being better than what they have. Yep. So it's not great. And I, and I think what it does is it puts, um, a, I don't want to say pressure, but importance on Bader having a really good season. Um, MLB.com did like a, a collection of um, little blurbs from all the beat writers on like highlighting one player that's a breakout candidate for each team. And Brian Hope wrote it for the Yankees and he, he chose Bader. And I, I think that's an easy pick. But, you know, because Bader had such a massive postseason for the Yankees that he's a breakout candidate. But I th- the Yankees need him to break out because if you have a offensive hole in center field and left field, even if Bader's a great defender, <clears throat> that's going to that's going to hurt this lineup. And when you look at Bader's career with St. Louis, he's a 246, 320409 uh, hitter, which is a 99 OPS plus. He's been a league average hitter in St. Louis. Now he was an awesome. He was maybe their best offensive player in the postseason. He hit three thirty three with five home runs, but he's not going to have a one thirty OPS plus this regular season, even if he, even if he has a breakout. So it's like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of importance on on Bader having a good season, just because of the lack of left field. Yeah, Bader needs to. Bader needs to. Obviously, like you said, he won't continue his postseason success at that level. Um, but he needs to. He needs to improve. You know, over over a full season. Uh, it's just there's too many. You know, we talked. We were talking earlier about how this team has improved, and you start from you know past years, and you start going down the list. There's a lot of unknowns there offensively when you start talking about left field. We don't even know who's playing. Center field, you have Bader. You don't know what you're going to get. Third base, you still have Donaldson there. We don't even know who our shortstop is. Trevino was an all-star last year, but that was his first year really doing anything. <laughs> uh, I know they they put a, probably too much of a workload on him at the end of the year there, but now we're talking Judge, Rizzo, Glaber, and Stanton. 
That's yeah. four of the nine spots that are right. Because if you're talking sure about things. improving, if you're talking about improving, first base is the same. I I I'm happy with first base, but it's the same. Second base is the same. Shortstop is a question mark. Third base, unfortunately, is the same. Catcher is the same. Right field's the same. Center field, I think, overall for the season is better because they had Hicks last year, and I think Bader will be better than Hicks. Even if he doesn't hit, he'll be better than Hicks because Hicks didn't hit, but also Bader is an elite um, center fielder. And um, left field is, who knows? Who knows what? I mean, it can't be worse than Joey Gallo, but also you don't know. So it's really either the position players. It's the same or worse than last year. And if you want to say, okay, well, the rotation is an upgrade. Yes. Cole, Radon, Cortez, a healthy Severino, and hopefully a healthy Montes is definitely an upgrade. So is this team going to be winning with pitching? Is that the plan, Logan? Yeah. We're, we're going to, they're going to win with pitching? I mean, it, it, it is the plan. I mean, we always say they, they're pitching is never good enough. I tend to, I always kind of refute that because if you look at the past years in the playoffs, it's always been the hitting that has has disappeared, you know, last year and against Houston, um, twenty twenty against the Rays, you know, twenty twenty one they didn't hit enough in the wildcard game, although Cole didn't pitch good enough, that's one game. You know, you go back and even in twenty all the way back to twenty seventeen, it was like, how did that team even have enough pitching to to make it there? And they did, and they took to a game seven and they scored three runs in four games in Houston or something along those lines. So, I mean they're gonna try and win with pitching, but they need and they know they need it. I just don't know where they're going to find it. So I'm kind of prepared for a Cashman sneaky, like, you know, maybe he's going to sign Jokeson Profile, who he has liked in the past, and he's a free agent. Um, maybe he's going to sign an AJ Pollock, just as some depth in left field with playoff experience to just hopefully, you know, be another option there. Like, I, I'm kind of trying to think a little bit more outside the box for left field because he hasn't done that this offseason, which he, he's good for one one offseason. Like, Oh, Brandon Drury, who who was that? But they right. he found him, and you know whether he worked out or not, it's kind of irrelevant. That's just the moves that Cashman likes to make. These moves this offseason have been, and he did it at the deadline too. Like the moves that he made, like they were all like exactly what we predicted them to be. And then he went and got Scott Efrost, and he's like, "Who is Scott Efrost? Nobody's ever heard of this guy, but he's really good." Well, I mean, the big the biggest surprise move was, was Bader. That was the big surprise yeah, but, move. Is they yeah. It was a surprise, but and that's a very Cashman move. And we all kind of shit on it, but it was a good move. We shit on the move at the time because we didn't I mean, credit to Cashman, we didn't we didn't Well, if Bader didn't have a breakout postseason, I think it was it was still a a, a move to shit on. But well, like okay, signing so or not, Bader had makes it even regardless of how Bader performed, I think. Uh this for this year, but if the Yankees like it, last year, if we thought, which it would, if everything else was equal, Jordan Montgomery was not going to do shit exactly. for the Yankees in this playoffs. But if the Yankees were a starting pitcher short in the postseason this past year, and Bader was just having a mediocre postseason, I think that that would have had more second guessing. But but still, like that that was a that seemingly was a great move setting up the Yankees for for the future, uh, uh for for twenty twenty three, but. Uh, an out of the box move, I don't think is that's not going to help this team enough. And unless it's a lottery ticket, and and that out of the box move turns into be a, another Jose Trevino, right? Like Jose Trevino came out of nowhere at the end. Like that that's something 
Cashman like took a lottery ticket on and hit. So is that what they're going to do for left field? And they're going to just find a left fielder that ends up hitting 315? I mean, mean, they try, but if they don't, they have Oswaldo and they have Hicks, who were kind of trying to talk themselves into just trying anyways. So why not try? Uh, There's no chance of me talking myself into Hicks. I will talk myself into Oswaldo Cabrera because I like him. But you can't. It, there's not enough liquor in this world for me to talk myself. I mean, hey, he was in our offseason plans being the starting left fielder. Well, he was in our offseason plans, but he wasn't because we also had what's his name, Benintendi, in our offseason plans. Well, kind when of. Yeah. We we just inflated we the, realized we, that we inflated the salary <laughs> to a point we thought they wouldn't go, and they went higher than that. So how right, do you figure? Right. Yeah, yeah. So it it'll be interesting with uh with this um. What do you guys say the chances are for for Reynolds? Low? 30. Low. 30% is not that low for, for just a trade. He's a guy that like, Cashman likes. A guy out there. So Cashman, when he likes a guy, he goes and gets the guy usually. That's why it's 30 and not. Team. What prospects would be off limits for Reynolds Volpe. in your mind? Just Volpe. Yep. So you yeah. do Dominguez. Um, and Peraza, which is, according to baseball trade values, equal value for Brian Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have, you got three years of control with Reynolds. So, Dominguez, maybe it stings a little bit in three years, but we got to win now. And Peraza, you got Volpe. You know, you have Volpe, you got other guys that can do it. We don't, sure, you could move them into different positions, but what, you want half of your infield to be prospects this is not a team that should be doing that um so it it hurts but it's gonna hurt to get to bring in a talent like that there's there's no way around that so if you can keep your top guy in volpe i say you do it the interesting thing is you know maybe there's uh, it's so complicated and hard to predict but maybe there's a three-team trade in there somewhere we know the yankees have been talking with the marlins they do have some top you know pitching prospects uh yuri perez and there's some other guys down there. I don't know if there's anything to be worked out there. I wouldn't be surprised if Cash is calling around trying to flip Glaber or other prospects to try. I think it would be other prospects, right? It would be, it would be the Yankees trading from their prospect strength, which is infielders, to the Marlins. The Marlins trading their prospect strength, which is pitching, to the Pirates, and the Yankees getting Reynolds. That would be yeah. how a three team deal would go down, I think. Um, and, uh, so another interesting thing, because we, we were talking about the Steve Cohen, you know, signing Correa last week. And then now, now the Mets have a problem with Correa's medicals, which I think is just freaking hilarious. MLB trade rumors said 55% chance that the deal goes through for, for Correa and the Mets. If this deal doesn't go through, he's not getting a big deal. There's no way he's getting a, another big deal on the market, right? Like you can't have two massive $300 million contracts fall through in one offseason. And then have a team out there be like, yeah, sure, we'll take a chance on you, only to find out a week later and the medicals aren't good, right? Yeah, it's a weird one. It's, it, it, you can't go and ask a third team for that deal after two deny you. It's There's been reports out there that he doesn't want to you know, take less or restructure that not. deal financially. Yeah, duh. I mean, I, I could see there's a lot of talk about different uh, – you know, uh, putting in other language in there about the injuries, whether it's a vesting option or, you know, opportunities to void the contract with times on the, with time spent on the IL. That's probably where it lands. 
Steve Cohen came out and said, you know, this is our missing piece. And then to just not make it happen is going to, it's going to look a little bit silly on his end. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I just love how like it went down where it's Boris and Cohen like drinking in Hawaii. And Boris is like assuring Cohen, like, oh, no, the medicals are fine. And then the Mets medical staff takes a look at the medicals and like, no, they're not fine. (laughs) So it's like, oh, really? Like, you're surprised at that? Okay, fine. But if this deal falls through, I think it'll be interesting what happens with Correa because he'll sign another short-term deal. And does that bring the Yankees into play? You'd have to assume no. Why would they, again, why would they do it now and not last year? Because they realized their plan last year didn't work. Yeah, but now that now that now that kids are here, there's no more stopping the gap, as as Cashman said. The, the gap has been stopped. Uh, not if you trade, not if you trade Peraza for Reynolds, and then Volpe is is maybe ready, maybe not ready. But he, say Volpe has like a freaking amazing spring training, and you can't deny him shortstop, and you have Correa on a one year deal. Stick Correa at third base and tell Donaldson to go fuck right. off. I mean, you could. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard. I believe it was on Hot Stove last night. Michael K was telling a story, and he he said Cashman called Volpe and said, like, you know, you have a chance to win this job. Like, I just want you to know, like, you you're in this. And obviously, it's you know, Michael K said, perhaps probably has the inside track. He's played in the big leagues. I mean, that would make sense. 
But I mean, IKF is still there. Maybe they maybe they flip IKF with Max Kepler because that would just be the funniest full circle moment. <laughs> the, twins, <laughs> the twins would do that. I mean, they need a shortstop, so and they they clearly love the guy. So you know, maybe they forgot that they had him briefly. <laughs> I mean, listen, the Twins are almost as incompetently run as the Red Sox. So they they, they the Twins signed Gallo to take Kepler's spot. I mean, it's just all full circle. They're just trying to be the Yankees of old, but. Oh, yeah, they've been doing that for years. So the the division is interesting because this is something I wanted to uh, I meant to say earlier. But if we're talking, did the Yankees get better or not? Well, they coasted basically to a division title in the second half of last year because they built up such a big lead. Um, do we think got, it got close? But only, only it got kinda. close. But like it was, they played like shit the entire second half and still won the division pretty handily. Yeah. So. If we think the Yankees are status quo, basically, maybe slight, you know, slight improvement over last year. What's what's going on with the rest of the the Red Sox are worse, clearly, but the, is the rest of the division better? Like Baltimore has taken, you know, took a step forward last year. They're not going to be an easy team to play. Uh, the Blue Jays are have made moves. Uh, Varsho right now this offseason, they're they're clearly in a win now mode because they traded away their top prospect. And and the Rays are always tough. So, like, do we think the Yankees have come back to the division, or has the division come up to the Yankees? I think the gap's similar, honestly. I mean, I don't think that any. I think if any if any of the teams got more, like like I think the Rays got marginally better. And I think the Blue Jays got marginally better, if not you know lateral. I mean, they 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 shared up the defense, but they they traded away two really good bats out of that lineup. You know, they traded away Teoscar, and they and they traded away. Uh, Guriel Jr. for Kiermaier and um, Barsho, who is definitely a hit offensively. I mean, whichever way you slice it, it's obviously a little bit more balance, a little bit more athleticism, which we know that can help. But I think that Rodon, and obviously bringing Judge and Rizzo and then Canely, and hopefully whatever they do, I think that they've gotten better. They've they've actually made the gap a little bit bigger or left it to the same. So it's seven seven game gap still. That's that's. I mean, that was the gap last. It should year. be, but I mean, could the Blue Jays come and and play like they had us on fire? And you know, maybe we get the sequel to the movie that Vlad was talking about last year. But um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that they're that. I don't think that they're that good. And remember me saying. I guess that. a left field option we didn't mention is Gurriel Jr. potentially being flipped by Arizona to another team if the Yankees could be in on him for for left field. Um, he's not, you know, anything spectacular, but I think he's, I don't know. How would you guys feel about Gurriel Jr.? That's, that's another move in my mind. That's like, okay, um, I got to talk myself into this. That's, you got to talk yourself into that being better than Cabrera and Hicks. I think you you have an opportunity to, if you're going to add someone at that level, you know, with the mindset that you got to talk yourself into them, I at least want a lefty bat. That's the thing for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's what well, well, what good is a what good is a bad lefty bat? <laughs> like it's better than a bad <laughs> righty bat. <laughs> hey, uh, yes, a bad lefty bat is better than a bad righty bat. But a mediocre righty bat is better than a bad lefty bat. Marginally, like what they have now is two switch hitters, Cabrera and Hicks, both better 
Are they both like Cabrera is definitely better left-handed, but Hicks, you know, I don't know what whatever Hicks, Hicks is. We've we've had this conversation fifteen times. He golfs righty, but he's a better left. He he's always going back and forth. He's had times in the past where so, he's been better as a righty, and typically he's better. So you have mediocre left-handed bat in left field right now. Okay, that's what you have. You have mediocre left-handed offense playing left field currently. So what, there's there's no point in adding another mediocre left-handed bat unless it's an upgrade over those guys. And if the right-handed bat is an upgrade, the only one that I would really see being an upgrade offensively is Peralta. Then I don't think it even makes sense to to bother. You're better off almost just seeing how things go in the first half and hoping you strike lightning or you do something at the deadline or sooner sooner than the deadline. Like you can you can be aggressive in June if your left field situation is really that bad in the first couple months of the year. And maybe if the, you know, the Cubs are out of it and they want to trade in half or, you know, there's going to be, you know, there's always guys available at the deadline that you kind of weren't seeing, you know, right. So I think that's going to be what ends up happening and fans aren't going to be happy with that because that's an unknown, right? Like your, your plan can't be, we're going to acquire something in three months from now. Like that's not really that's that satisfying of an answer, but th- that's probably the reality of the situation and what is going to happen. Um, the Red Sox might be uh, trading Chris Sale. It was report on that he's owed fifty five million over the next two years, plus a twenty million vesting option if he finishes in the top ten Cy Young and does not finish the year on the IL. Okay, so a team could take a chance on on Chris Sale. I looked this up. Do you guys realize he's only pitched 48 innings since 2019? That's so long ago, and he's only thrown 48 regular season innings. Well, serious hangover. Yeah. So he's he's really just been a non-factor for them for three seasons. I know the COVID season was shortened, but um, the Red Sox, I, I don't know what they're doing. They, they're just a baffling organization. Um, but... Whether they have sale or not, I, I think they're probably the worst team in the division. Yeah, they've just they've lost everything pretty much. Their rotation is <laughs> sale is the one, and you have no no guarantee that he's going to take the mound. And then it's like what Pavetta and Paxton coming off Tommy John. Yeah, it's uh, a, I have no clue what they're still handing out contracts though, which is the most confusing it's, part. Kenley Yoshida, it's it's bizarre. Yeah. And then it's like if you're pitching to that lineup, you just don't throw Devers a strike and and you attack everyone else in that lineup. Like that's the plan of attack for, for the Red Sox lineup next year. Don't pitch to Devers. I really don't even think they're gonna be able to resign Devers. I don't either. I don't think Devers wants why, to sign. Why would you I think why, exactly. why would you? It, it, you you didn't go and also the Red Sox are not gonna give Devers what he's gonna get on the open market. Devers is gonna get three hundred million dollars in the open market. They did not want to give Mookie Betts three hundred million dollars. They didn't want to give Xander Bogarts three hundred million dollars. Why are they gonna give Rafael Devers three hundred million dollars? He's young too. He's really young, Devers. I know he's young. So do they trade him? Like is that a, is that something that we see happen where Devers gets moved? They didn't trade Bogarts, but that I mean stupid decision. But you know they maybe still had aspirations of competing last year with Bogart. But I'm saying they could have traded him at the deadline. Um, I mean, there were rumblings of it, and they didn't because they said they wanted to assign him, and then they were $100 million short. Right. And so Devers is going to see right through that. It's like, 
he's going to say, well, you're going to offer me $250 million and I'm going to get $350 million. So, so don't bother. And then the Red Sox could say, okay, well then we should just trade you and get a, a haul of prospects back. Uh, the last uh, bit of news. No, this isn't even news. Just something I want to talk about. This is, this is more of like a scratching an itch. So Bleacher Report wrote an article. This came up. Uh, I, forget, I think I saw this on Twitter. Um, predicting MLB's 10 biggest nightmare contracts by the year 2025. Basically, what they did is they they looked at like how much money is left on the contract, what's the average annual value, what's going to be on the books, how old is the player going to be, and what their performance is. Um, and surprisingly, Stanton was number one on this list as the predicting to be the worst contract by 2025. And the the write-up they, they put on him is Stanton is this close to developing into a designated hitter who can't hit. <laughs> Even if not all of it's on them, meaning the Yankees, that's not the kind of player the Yankees want to pay $160 million through 2027. That's why I don't think this is the worst contract because the Yankees are getting 10 million of that paid, 10 million annual paid by the Marlins. So they're only paying him 22 million annual. And his contract is through 2027. It's over, it's over after 2027. So the Yankees owe him 110 million over five years. Do you guys think Stanton should be on this list or like, like what, what are we even making of like the one thing that I have noticed? Credit credit to Yankees fans on Twitter. The trade Stanton talk has has stopped because I think they finally realized that no one's going to trade for Stanton, so that's not being talked about anymore. Like the Dodgers are not going to trade for Giancarlo Stanton, guys. But like, what what are your thoughts on Stanton at this point for the next five years? It makes sense that he's on the list because he you know he went he he won that MVP. He had a huge it was a huge deal when it when it was first signed. So yeah, I mean, it's you're going to put him on the list because he's a huge name that doesn't produce the way he used to. Being number one on the list is a little out there for me. I, he's not the worst contract. He's not going to be. Uh, I I still like him. I'm not. I haven't turned on him or anything like that. I, I think he's been productive. He's been one of our best, most consistent postseason hitters in his time. I leverage spots. He's been really good. If Stanton was a free agent this offseason, would he get five years, $110 million? Yes. Someone would. He'd get more than that, Someone right? would. Think about it. I mean, they, he makes... I mean, hard <laughs> for me to... I mean, there's, there's one name that's not on this list who we talked about earlier in the episode. Like, what is Cassell? Like, I know it's already been a bad contract, but like, what? Like, do you... It, it, two, it's only two more only, years. Okay, he's pitched 48 innings in the... Like, that's not... That's not a problem. You know, I mean, are all these guys on here locked up really that long term like i think all of the guys on here are owed at least a hundred million dollars george springer on this list to me that makes really no sense because he his his deal looks like a real bargain i think it was six for 150 two years ago when they signed it yeah i think that's probably more due to injuries like he just can't stay on the field yeah but he really i mean has he really been that bad with toronto when it comes to that i mean i i <laughs> I, th- I think so if i i guessing i i think he's really missed a lot of right, time let's see I'd be shocked if he's played more than like 120 games. He played 133 games last year. 78 games in 2021, 51 games in the 60-game season. That was with Houston. So in the last two years, he's played 133 and 78. The 78 games is tough. And I think he, I mean, so he missed probably like a uh, he, one IL stint last year and then a bunch the, the year before. Yeah, I, 
25 million AAV for four, you get these four years, 100 million. Like, and that's exactly Stanton's getting so much more than what the Yankees are paying him. Now, would the Yankees sign Stanton if he was a free agent right now? No, that's not what we're right. saying. But if you're just looking at like the contract in a vacuum and like the value of the contract, the Yankees paying him $22 million for the next five years is okay value. And I think it could be good value if they just use him properly. You just got to use him properly. I mean, this is supposed to be the worst contracts by 2025. So we're not talking where they're at right now. And sure, there's reason to believe that Stan will continue to decline. At the same time, Anthony Rendon is not on this list, and he's getting paid $38 million in 25 and 26. So, Oh, he's, I, his contract goes up it, like it was backloaded? It must yeah. have been backloaded. His AAV yeah. on that contract was ridiculous, though. It was like over $34 million, I think. The the AAV is thirty five, yeah. and starting next year for the next four years, it goes up to thirty eight mil a year. Yeah, hard for me to hard two million for, less than Judge. Yeah, hard for me to to say that this list has credibility without that contract on there. The rest of the list includes Sal Perez, Joe Musgrove, Trevor Story, George Springer, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Robbie Ray, uh, Byron Buxton, and Jacob Degrom. We have no idea how that Degrom contract is going. I mean, he could go be Randy Johnson, and nobody would be surprised. I'd be a little surprised. I I don't see DeGrom following the Verlander Scherzer just pitch elite until you're 40 track. I don't see I don't see that happening for for DeGrom. He's got a lot less mileage. DeGrom is more like DeGrom is more like um, Tim Lincecum. Mm, Interesting name. Where where it's like Tim Lincecum was the best pitcher in baseball for five years and then he would turn 34 years old and you never heard from him again. Yeah, I always think mileage though. Like Degrom's the same age as Kershaw. Like, how doesn't even make any sense when you think about it in that team? I mean, but Kurt hasn't Kershaw been in the league since he was like 20? right, right? Are they should they be treated as the same? Kershaw didn't get five years, one hundred and eighty million dollars this offseason. He got one year for twenty million. They're the same age, and well, they no, they they were their peaks but, were just as I mean close to the same. But but like you just said, mileage. Kershaw has right. had a lot more innings career-wise and even more injury problems, I think, because his back, like a, a back for a pitcher is... That's like, my point. That's why if like if DeGrom went out there and won two more Cy Youngs with Texas, I wouldn't be surprised. Mildly surprised for me. Mildly surprised. Fair enough. Not shocked. Mildly You know surprised. if he's out there, he could do it. It's just being out there. So that's yes, half the, that's, yeah. why, that's why there would be that's where there would be a surprise. Like if he makes, what would be more surprising? Two Cy Young awards for for him, or like twenty one starts a year? Most surprising would be two Cy Young starts. I I agree with that, but also like I wouldn't be like, wow, I cannot believe Jacob Degrom just won a Cy Young. Like, yeah, he pitched one hundred and eighty innings at a two two ERA, like he does when he's out on the field, right. All right. Anything else you guys want to touch on? Last episode of 2022? Wow. I think that about covers it. All right. Maybe next episode I'd like to do New Year's resolutions. When Scott's back, we'll do New Year's resolutions for the Yankees. We did that last year, and it was basically just like things that annoyed us that we didn't (laughs) want them to do anymore. (laughs) It's like, I hope Aaron Boone doesn't do this, and I hope Aaron Boone doesn't do that. Stop playing New York, New York after losses. I think one of mine was put Stanton in left field. Um, so, anyway, maybe we'll do that next episode, and, and who knows, maybe there'll be some news to talk about. 
Thank you guys so much for listening and happy new year. We'll talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.